What's your secret? It's a powerful question, isn't it? What's your secret kind of implies that you figured something out and that it's been successful in some way that other people see that, hey, I like where you've ended up in this area of your life and I would like to somehow know how to get there myself. What's your secret? Has anyone ever asked you that question? What's your secret? Maybe it's your, you always look so radiant in the morning. What's your secret? I don't get asked that personally, but I've heard other people ask my wife that question on occasion. So uh, I know that it does happen. What's your secret? How do you get yourself all put together on in such short notice on a Sunday morning? I mean, if someone were to ask a guy that question, it'd be like, well, you know, I got up, I put a shirt on, had to you know, comb my hair. It's pretty easy. I mean, when you got this to work with, it's not hard. <laughs> right? That's what guys do. Um, but what's your secret? What's your secret is such a, it's, it's such a powerful question, and it's a powerful compliment, isn't it? When someone comes to you and says, what's your secret? Makes you feel good because what they're telling you is you've got a section of your life all together. I want to know what you do because I think it's going to make my life better. How about you? Has anyone ever asked you that question before? What's your secret? Maybe you're in um, uh, sales and someone new joins the team. Maybe it's someone new who's just graduated from school or is just kind of looking to start out life and start, you know, uh, get their own living wage. They've moved out of their home. They're now living in an apartment and they want to be successful in this new career. And they notice that you're really good at sales. And they offer to take you out for lunch and ask you for your inside secrets on how to be successful. Maybe it's um, you've lost weight or you've gotten into shape. And someone says, what's, what, what's your secret? What did you do? What plan did you follow? What was your workout regimen? Maybe it was something like that. What's your secret? Or maybe for some of you that are a little bit older, the, um, the grandkids have come or the great-grandkids and said, Nana, Papa, what's your secret? How have you been married for so long and stayed happy? <laughs> How is that possible? What's your secret? What did you do? You know, what if someone were to come and ask you today, I'm a new Christian. What's your secret on being a successful Christ follower? Have you ever had anyone ask you that question? I can tell you how many times people have asked me that question. Zero. None. It's interesting that that hasn't happened. But let's pretend it has. Let's pretend that someone's come to you and said, what's your secret? I've watched you. I've watched the way you live, and I've watched what you've said. I've watched how you've treated other people, and I want to know what is your secret. What would you tell them? What would you say to them? Maybe you'd um, 
say some things, some of the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, If I was a mean pastor, I would ask you to say, what is the things that we talked about over this past few weeks? But I'm not that man. I'm not that person. Uh, So I'll just remind you what we have talked about over this past week. We, We learned a few weeks ago that at the core of us is Jesus. So you might say something about how at the core of my life, I think of how my relationship with Jesus affects this decision or affects this relationship. Maybe you would say, well, the secret of my Christian success is that I know that lost people matter to God and and he wants them found. So I have organized my schedule and my priorities to make sure I'm spending time with lost people. I'm having gospel conversations. I'm intentionally praying for them and I'm inviting them to church and I'm inviting them to study the Bible with me and I'm inviting them to consider the death and resurrection of Jesus. I'm intentionally building relationships with lost people for the sake of the gospel. Maybe that's what you'd say. Or maybe you'd say that, you know, the secret to, to, to the Christian success I've had in my life is because of prayer. Prayer is the primary work of the people of God. And when I've felt like life is out of control, uh, I have prayed because pray has caused, has changed my outlook from look out to look up. Or maybe you'd say, you know, the secret of my Christian success, it's not much, but uh, I've just, it's the way I view the blessings that God has given me. Everything I have belongs to God. I'm merely a steward. It's not mine, it's His. Maybe you'd say some of those things. That's the secret to my success as a Christian. No, I love the question, what's your secret? Because it means that someone wants to get to where you are and they want to learn from you, how did you put principles into practice? What are the things that you did with your routine, with your schedule, with your priorities, the way that you spend your time in order to be successful at this thing that we call the Christian life? What would you tell them? It's a great question. And it's the question that we're going to wrestle with today. Welcome to part five of This Is Us. We've been in a series, if you're just joining us for the first time or the first time in a long time, we've been in a series talking about our core values. Because our core values, not only personally, but as a church, define who we are and decide who we become. They not only define us, they develop us. In other words, as a friend of mine once said, you set your priorities and then your priorities set you. And so we've talked about the things that drive us as a church and I think ultimately the things that drive us as individuals. And today we are talking about the foundation To all real success. How do we have real success as followers of Jesus? What do we need? What's our secret? And thankfully that um, secret is not hidden. It's actually given away in one of my favorite people in the Bible. One of my favorite characters in the Bible. A character actually who our son is named after. And it's the reason why he has the name that he does. A man named Joshua. 
Now, if you have a Bible with you, I'd invite you to turn with me in them to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, we're going to take a look at just a few verses there. And if you're uh, participating online, you'll see the verses uh, on the screen. If you're here in person, you'll see them up on the wall behind us. But this is an interesting story about Joshua because we kind of know who he is, but we wonder who he is for certain. So let's take a look at Joshua. It says here, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them. If uh, you grew up in church, you already know some of the story of Joshua's life, right? Maybe in Sunday school, you sang the old song about Joshua. And, uh, how he, Josh fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Yeah, see, some, some, of you, some of you know that. and it, You remember the battle of Jericho, right? What was the battle of Jericho? It was what? It was a lot of screaming and yelling. Well, yes, and more. But what was, what was the uh, battle of Jericho? He, they marched around the city for a number of days. And then on the last day, they sounded some trumpets and the walls collapsed. That's not wise military strategy when it comes to fighting a battle. When it comes to ancient military warfare, when the one army decided to march around another or a fortified city saying, hey, we're going to show you, all it usually did was create a nice big rut that just put a large trench around the city from their footprints. That's all it accomplished. So, we know what happened though. Because God commanded, Joshua responded, that's what they did, and the whole city fell. And that's what we remember. But, in this moment, let's admit that this task is easier said than done. The things that God has asked Joshua to do is an insurmountable challenge. The promised land that God was going to give the people of Israel was a number of individual city-states with their own governments, with their own kings, with their own politics, and with their own international politics all through the regions. And who, who wasn't there anymore? Who was gone? Moses. Was Moses important in the history of Israel? Little bit, wasn't he? Moses was important. As a matter of fact, in the, very few, in the first few verses before this, we read this about the death of Moses. 
What kind of person is Moses? Since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. I think it's one thing to flee from an enemy, which Moses led the people out of Egypt, led them across the Red Sea. It's another thing to attack a fortified enemy. And God says to Joshua, who Moses is dead, now you go. If you're the people of Israel and you're looking across the Jordan River and you know all of the cities that are there, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Moses or Joshua? Who would you rather have in charge? Of course, you would rather have Moses. I agree. And it's not that Joshua's bad. It's just look at all that Moses had done. Um, Talk about some big sandals to fill. Um, when I was a, a pastor in Canada, I was always amazed at uh, some of the larger churches that were uh, part of our denomination and some of the larger churches in Toronto and places where we could visit. There was one church that we visited that was pretty typical of really large congregations uh, that had been around for a while. Uh, they actually had a chapel in their building. And it was a place where you could have smaller funerals, smaller weddings, so you didn't have a, you know, a 2,000, 4,000 person sanctuary filled up with like 10 people or something to a small event. So they had this small little chapel where people could come, use it for services, but also they could come and pray and it would be a place that's more intimate and so on. Leading up to the chapel was this hallway and on both sides of the hallway were, were giant portrait pictures of pastors who used to lead the church in the past. Kind of a, a, a who's who. Uh, here's, the, here's the leaders of our church over the decades that we've been in existence. I always looked at those. It was like a, a presidential hallway. And wondered, that's got to be hard on the new guy. Because <laughs> here's this, you know, it's, it's the ghosts of pastors past. Just looking down on you like, yeah, we built this. Don't mess this up, kid. <laughs> Like, how would that make you feel if all you did was walk down? Oh, yeah, this pastor, he started out and he, you know, he did this multi-million dollar campaign and now we have this church here. We did this big outreach where we had this amazing revival and it led to years and years of growth and and, uh, kingdom growth and and people were released from uh, all sorts of oppression. They found Jesus and and, uh, what have you done? Those pictures always... They always made me wonder because I always kind of thought that, you know, I get what you're doing. You're, you're preserving legacy. You're kind of trying to tell the story. But I always wondered if that's, not, if that's not the best way to do it, that there may be a better way. To me, it always felt like a widower who got remarried but kept pictures of his old marriage or her old marriage all up over the house and never replaced them with pictures of the new spouse. How would the new spouse feel? If all they did was walk around and it's just pictures of the person who had passed away. Whew. That's hard. It's interesting. Because 
God just comes and dumps all this on Joshua. But God doesn't do this in a mean way. God doesn't do this as a, all right, so here's your task. You've got to finish what Moses started. He's now gone. You're the man, so good luck. Instead, he says, I'm going to do all the work, right? That's pretty, com- that's pretty comforting. Except God doesn't say, I'm going to do all the work and you do nothing at all. As a matter of fact, God is going to give away Moses' secret I have a feeling that um, if Joshua was really Moses' aide, as Scripture says, that they would have had times to be sitting down, they would have been, you know, out for aid appreciation week or, you know, the way we do kind of secretary appreciation week or something like that. Or they would have gone out on a leadership retreat and they would have been talking and, and just kind of shooting the breeze about life and ministry. And I think Joshua would have said at one point, it's not in scripture, but I like to imagine these kinds of conversations would have happened. Uh, Moses, what's your secret? I mean, you've had family try to turn on you. You've had, you know, you've gone through all these things. You had to stand up in front of Pharaoh. You had to deal with this issue. You had to deal with this person. What's your secret? What did you do? And God gives him the secret in Joshua 1 verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. What was Moses' secret? God gave Moses one thing to accomplish, one thing to do. And it was keep this book of the law in front of you. Write it down, share it with other people so that they can know how to have a relationship with me. And then he told that secret to Joshua. I want to use you to do amazing things, he said. But there's only one thing you must do. Keep this book of the law in front of you and obey it. I'll take care of the rest. And if we were to ask someone today, what's your secret of a successful Christian, it always starts with this value. Knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Will you say that with me? Knowing and obeying God's word is to all true success. Is that true? I think it is. I think it is for theological reasons. I think it's true because this is how God has chosen to work. As a matter of fact, we know this from Hebrews 4.12, that the word of God is alive and active. 
sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That this book is not a newspaper that is dated that runs out of application because the news has changed and time has marched on. It is alive. It is active. God is actually speaking through the Bible to us, to all peoples of all places of all times. That's how he's chosen to communicate who he is and what he's done. And does God's word have power? Yes. We know this from the very first story in the Bible, actually, where God said, let there be, and it was. Theologians call that ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. You and I, we don't create anything. We rearrange things. We take things that are already in existence, and we make really nice things. We rearrange them in new ways, but God spoke into nothing And it came into being. That's the power of his word. And that's the power of his word. He is actively speaking today. And here's the thing about the Bible. We would not know about God. If he did not tell us about him. Some friends of mine uh, run a podcast uh, it's part of the uh, Crosstalk Global Ministry. We, it's called the Crosstalk Podcast. And they were saying recently that there are, over four, there are approximately 4,000 world religions. Three quarters of the world belong to the big five. And the rest belong to the other 3,995 3, other organized religions. And Christianity is set apart to some degree because it says that no one can earn their way to God. And every other religion says you can appease God, you can earn his favor, you can somehow get his notice, You can somehow offer something that he enjoys, therefore he will bless you. And the Bible says that's absolutely not true. As a matter of fact, it says that even while we were still sinners, enemies of God, that Jesus died for us. That it's because of God's love for the world that he gave his only son. And so this testimony, this truth of theology that God's word is alive and speaking to us today is powerful and it's not just that my my mentor my preaching uh first preaching professor and and my good friend Kent Edwards used to say that uh, it's not just theological it's historical it's not just out there abstract but it's actually in person right now in the history of the world because if you look at every major move that God has ever done in the world to cause revival guess what is at the center of it the communication of his word you see that in one of the greatest movements that ever started the Protestant Reformation where someone 
said, no, it's not the church. It's sola scriptura that is our only guide for faith and practice. And that changed everything. You take the Bible out of Christianity, you end up with the dark ages. Do you know why we called them the dark ages? Because people were in the dark. No one knew how to have a relationship with God. Till the 99 theses were hammered onto a door saying, no, it's scripture alone that shows us who God is, what he's like, and what he's done, and why the Christian faith stands alone against 3,999 other world religions. That's amazing. Every major awakening of people coming to God all through history has involved the proclamation of his word. So the truth is that God's word, knowing and applying God's word, is fundamental to all true success. The secret to success is simply this, learning it and living it. There, that's simple, right? God bless you. Have a great rest of your week. Good luck. Wait. Um, I think one of the things that even just in our time of worship that we had was we know that God is active. We know that God is working. We know that God is faithful, but there are moments where we struggle with putting into practice what we know to be true. Amen? Sometimes it's easier said or sung than done, than lived out. So let's explain. Let's unpack this a little bit. What do we mean by knowing and obeying God's word? Well, I think when God said this to Moses, I want you to meditate on God's word so that you do not deviate to the right or the left is simply to indicate that it's difficult and it does not come simply by holding a Bible or by putting your head on the Bible when you sleep at night and hoping that the truth of the pages just, you know, comes into your mind because you're sleeping on the book or, you know, that kind of a thing or because you have it on the coffee table or because you come uh, to church and, and that's it. It's, it's hard work to know and apply the Bible. And I think we struggle with this for two reasons. The one is, I don't think we know what the Bible says sometimes. Sometimes we know what the Bible says, and sometimes we doubt what the Bible says when we do know it. So, God says, meditate on it. You can discover what the Bible is talking about, but it will take some work. So, I'm going to recommend to you that you start to read your Bible more. Some of you aren't readers. No problem. Because when was the Bible printed? Anybody know? When was the Bible available for everyone? There had to be a printing press, right? For the longest time, these sacred texts weren't actually available to common people except for priests. Until a guy named uh, Gutenberg developed the first printing press. Do you know what was the first book that he printed? The Bible. Because he wanted to get it into the hands of common folk 
like you and I. And the church wanted to safeguard that. It's the sacred text. Only the priests could determine what God has said and interpret and apply it for you. And that goes against the priesthood of all believers. So they started printing Bibles and distributing Bibles. That story, why I told you that is simply this. There was a point in Christianity's history where people didn't have Bibles in their homes. All they had access to was what someone told them on a Sunday service. That's all they could do. But I think they took incredible care to take what they've heard, discuss it, think it through, to pray about it, and ask if it was being applied to their lives. And today, we have more biblical illiteracy than ever with the amount of biblical availability that we have. We have the Bible in printed form. We have the Bible in digital form. We have the Bible on our computers. We have the Bible on calendars. We can get emailed a short verse with a devotional. You can walk out this door and you can pick up a daily bread and you can have a short little devotional. But we've forgotten what the word meditate really means. Study dedication, learning, and we have in our world the most access to the Bible than ever before, except we've crowded out the study of Scripture for other things. So it'll take some work, but I promise you, if you study the Scriptures, you will discover what you don't know about the Scriptures. I know this theologically because you have the Holy Spirit in you as a Christian, who Jesus would say in the book of John that, well, the Spirit's here to teach you what you don't know and to remind you of what you've learned. He's the counselor. You can dialogue with God about what you read and about what you hear. Now, why did I say what you hear? Because right now you are hearing God's word, right? So you can hear sermons, you can listen to podcasts of other sermons, you can buy books that talk about this is how to understand this particular verse. As a matter of fact, I'm, again, that part of that podcast called Crosstalk Global, which you can see here in case you want to go check it out, that's crosstalkpodcast.com. It's not a commercial. I'm mentioning this because I think it's absolutely helpful. Um, the recent Crosstalk podcast, we talked about, or the team talked about what makes Christianity unique. And the thing that makes Christianity unique is that every other world religion makes up the rules about how they get to God. In Christianity, they say those rules don't matter. So I would encourage you to check that out. If you want something weekly, every Friday, coming into uh, uh, your email box, something that you can listen to on your phone or subscribe to on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you enjoy podcasts. You can listen to biblical teaching in a short amount of time that's relevant, that's helpful, that gets you thinking about what God has said. We struggle with knowing and obeying God's word and knowing the success that God has for our life because we don't know what it says. You can also join things like Bible studies, you can join small groups. You can ask the pastor. Uh, there was a lady here in our church not too long ago, and a lady named Melissa. Not many of you uh, knew who she was. 
But Melissa would email every few weeks or so with questions about the most obscure passages. I'm studying through Leviticus. Help me understand the theme. Oh, no, now I got to read Leviticus, right? Like, I got to go back, and this is a chore to read that particular book because it's a lot of lists, a lot of names. Like, it's hard to understand. But she's asking great questions, and it was an absolute thrill to wrestle through those scripture texts with her, emailing back and forth. This is what this is saying. This is what this is saying. This is what's happening here. And she's incorporating that into her understanding and worldview. You can do that. You can go to our website. You can phone you can email me and you can say, hey, I'm wrestling through this passage. Um, help me understand. What do, you, what do you think this says? And we can learn what it means together. In other words, knowing scripture is the secret to success, right? It's part of it. Don't just wait for someone to hand it to you. Go and get it. Go and choose to get it for yourself and make that a priority. Can I encourage you to begin to study the scriptures? Can I encourage you that if you have questions, it's not embarrassing or wrong to ask? If you learn this, if you learn that I need to know and I'm going to prioritize knowing, you're halfway there to success. And here's the cool thing I know about study. The way that media works today and the way that we consume things today is that a lot of it's on demand. Can I just recommend to you that the recent Netflix series that everyone's talking about and saying that you should watch can probably wait an hour? Sports, football game, you can wait an hour. That stuff that's happening on social media or the 24-hour news networks, that'll still be there in 24 hours, I promise. It's not just ignorance, though. We also doubt that this is what God was saying. And we doubt because we fear of the cost. We know that God says, Obey me. And sometimes we don't want to obey because we're afraid of what will happen to us. We're afraid of what we'll miss out on. We're afraid of what it will cost us. We're afraid of what other people think. And we worry about whether that's going to actually help us in life. Well, Jesus handles that for us when he said this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? The opposite of doubt. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. 
And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. What this is essentially saying is that Jesus says that God takes care of those who get their priorities in place. That they practice what is most important in their relationship with God. I want to know what he said. And I want to apply that to my life. And I know that God will take care of the rest. That was Jesus' testimony. You get this right. You get concerned about being right with God. Living out his will for your life. And I will take care of the rest. Even the basic needs of life. In this life or the next life. And here's the promise to you if you do that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him. And he will what? Make your path straight. When, when scripture says that, when it says make your path straight, um, what is that in opposite to? There's a straight path, and then there is a crooked path, a twisting path. So the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. Absolutely. So what God is saying is, I can get you to the life you want and the eternal life, well, frankly, that we don't deserve. But trust me, and I will get you there without a lot of this. You focus on this one thing. What's the secret? Joshua asked Moses. I think Moses would have said, I know what God has said, and I've written it down. And I want to obey it with every fiber of my being. And I want to help other people understand what he said. And I want to help them obey it too. With every fiber of my being. Because I know that leads. To the most successful kind of life. Not just in this life. But in the next life. In other words I think we can make life really complex. If you want to you can. But God pours us a foundation on which all success is found. And it's where we find our core values in the first place. All of the things that we listed about, here's what we might say are the secret to our success as Christians, as as followers of Jesus. When we talk about that lost people matter to God and he wants them found. We wouldn't know that unless God himself told us in the pages of scripture. We wouldn't know that prayer is the primary work of the people of God unless God showed us that in his word and so on and so on and so on. If you want to make life simpler, learn it and live it. Joshua, I think, heard those words and knew that he didn't have to fear. Because the same God that was with Moses was going to be with him. And he just needed to obey. And as a matter of fact, the rest of the story of Joshua is about a story of a man who said at the end of his life, as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. We will find out what he has said, and we will apply it to our lives. That is our first priority. It is the foundation of all success. And I think God, without sounding like a a prosperity preacher, wants you to be successful in your life as well. And here's the secret. Learn and live God's word. Learn it and live it. As a matter of fact, we actually have t-shirts with that on it. How many of you remember this t-shirt from a few years ago? Do you remember this t-shirt? Josh, can you zoom in a little bit, get this t-shirt on the shot? Is this the best way to show this right there? You got that? Perfect. So it was a, a campaign that we did. It was called Getting the Word Out. It has a picture of a little radio tower on it. And the idea was we wanted to serve the community. And so we started something called the Opportunity Fund. The Opportunity Fund actually still exists. It's one of our best kept secrets here at the church. And we use that as a way to just bless other community organizations that are doing good work. We, we come alongside people. One of the things that came out of this campaign was that we came along Gates Chilai High School and paid off all the student debt on their school lunches. All students that uh, had no uh, money left in their accounts and they were being given like the worst cheese sandwiches that you could possibly imagine and weren't able to have the hot lunch that you would get, we paid off all the debt. That's what we did. And we had a slogan on the back of our shirts that simply says this. Can you read that? What's it say? Learn it, live it, launch it. This is still true. And the cool thing about this shirt, about getting the word out, is that it starts with us learning the word. It then continues as we live the word. And when we do those two things, we have the potential of launching God's word, which is the foundation of real success, not just for individuals, not just for churches, but for entire cultures and communities to have the best possible life that they can have. That's the kind of world I want to live in. I don't just want success for me. I don't just want success for my family. I don't just want success for my church. I want success for my community. I want success for my state. I want success for my country. I want success for my planet. And it starts with the same mindset. Knowing and applying God's word is the foundation of all true success. It's where it starts. By the way, if you'd like one of these shirts, I have a few left in my office, actually. There's a bunch of these that have just been sitting in my closet for like a couple of years. And if you would like one of these shirts, uh, come find me afterwards. We'll see if we've got something that fits your size. If you want to make like a small donation of five bucks, that'd be cool. But, you know, I just want them out of my office to be, to be clear. And I'd rather have them with you as a choice that you're making to learn it and live it. And with God's help, we are launched into the world in which we live. And he begins to change that for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. Let's close in prayer.
Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. We invite you to speak to us in this moment, in this room, wherever we're participating online. We know that your word, knowing and obeying it, is foundational to all success, but it's hard. We're distracted by a lot of other priorities. We're unsure sometimes whether obeying your word is too high of a price. But you really do have what is best for us in mind. You promise, Lord, that if we acknowledge you in all your ways, that you will make our paths straight. You promise, God, that instead of worrying about what we eat or drink or what we will wear, the basic needs of life, that when we pursue your kingdom and righteousness first, you take care of us. You supply all of those things. And we've experienced that kind of care and grace from a God who loves us. We didn't have to earn that love. We never deserved that love. But you saw us and loved us in spite of the fact that we had defied you. We would know none of this if it was not for your word. So Lord, may we value your word. Not worship your word. But value it. May you help us to take whatever steps we need to take. To study it. To set aside the time to get with others, to be alone, and become people of your word. And second, Father, would you, would you help us to obey it, trusting that you will provide, that you will care, and that you will make a way like you always have, and you will continue to. Lord, would you help us to learn it, and live it, and launch it? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.